You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast, where we have another breaking news commitment to dive into for this episode. We popped up with a mid-weekend episode following commitments that came Friday and Saturday. That wasn't enough to cover the whole weekend because there were three more commitments on Sunday and the way things are moving for Penn State with their momentum right now on the 2022 uh, recruiting class. Sunday's news is already old because Sean Nick Singleton Long-awaited announcement comes on Tuesday with CBS Sports HQ. We're fresh out of that. He did pick Penn State. Notre Dame was a major threat down the stretch. It was a a twist and turn kind of recruitment here in June going into July for Nick Singleton. The crystal ball turned blue. Ultimately, he does pick the Nittany Lions and just an enormous addition to add on to this Penn State class. Six commitments in July already. Today is July 6th. It's hot, man. It's hot everywhere. And it's hot uh, with Penn State recruiting right now. As you mentioned, six commitments over the last few days, uh, you know, kind of, I think it's probably a little bit time to catch our breath right now. And with, uh, with the Singleton commit may have a little bit of time to, to sit back and, and sort of look back. And we're certainly going to do that on this episode, but, uh, it's, uh, it's been crazy, man, to say the least. It's been crazy. It's been fun. It's been, uh, I don't want to say expected, but it's July. And that's kind of what the, what we've laid out for the landscape of recruiting this, uh, nationally, this, uh, this offseason. So it's been it's been something, but Nick Singleton is is the prize. I mean, no disrespect to the guys that committed over the weekend. Nick Singleton is a top 50 kid by 24-7 sports. He's really, really been a top target for the longest of times. Uh, number 43 overall, number three running back, number two in Pennsylvania. As you mentioned, Notre Dame was in there, Alabama, Texas A&M, Wisconsin. I mean, actually took an official visit to Alabama, which, you know, kind of tells you the the level of uh, of competition that Penn State was facing here. Um, so just a massive win for Penn State, especially in state coming off of that 2021 cycle. Um, it's really uh, it's tough to explain. It's tough to figure out how this all came together. Um, but when you've got that group that they've got, I think now number two in the 24-7 sports rankings, it was close. We have the uh, uh, the recruit or excuse me, the uh, calculator, the class calculator on 24-7 sports. And I think adding Singleton just nudge them ahead of Notre Dame, but we're not math guys here. So uh, we'll just, uh, <laughs> clearly we're not because I just did the class calculator before we came on and I had them just short of Notre Dame short? by like 1.3. That's it. And then it's Ohio State on a number one, number two, Notre Dame, essentially, essentially tied. I mean, we're talking about one and a, or a decimal, but Penn State right there two, number three. Obviously, they've loaded up on commitments. That's something that they're kind of sort ahead a lot of programs in college football right now. But you look at the quality of commitments in just in the last few days, you go down that list, there are a lot of guys who fill four stars. Yeah, and J.B. Nelson's now has a composite rating. So, yes, it looks like just short of Notre Dame, um, both with 18 commits, but really good classes. I know – you know, uh, class rankings in June and July is sort of fool's goals sometimes. But if you look at the the meat of this class, it's a pretty good group so far. And Singleton just adds to it, uh, gives you your top rated commit in the composite rankings, I believe top rated commit in, in the 24-7 sports rankings as well. Um, so that's uh, certainly that uh, cer- certainly something to hang your hat on at this point. Um, there will be 
more guys uh, or more targets ahead. Of course, Deny Dennis Sutton still out there. He's going to announce on July 22nd, I believe is the date, um, and and could be some other guys announcing in July. Christian Driver, the 29th. Uh, we reported yesterday that Kevin Winston is going to report, or excuse me, gonna, going to announce in late August on his mother's birthday. So a lot of moving parts still to come. Penn State with 18 commits, and there's still some room in that class, and there's still some room in another uh, uh, at a number of positions. We've come a long way since those mailback questions about where are the commitments? Hey, it's July now. Where are the commitments? And uh, Mr. Fitz, you said you thought 20 was very realistic and we came out of June with 12. You stood firm there and here we are with 18 and three weeks to go until we even get to August. So they have made up a lot of ground in a hurry, but let's focus in on this one. In-state recruiting, that was a big problem last cycle. Nick Singleton, number two number two player in the state of Pennsylvania behind edge rusher Anai White when you look at the 24-7 composite. Right now, when you conclude, I include Drew Shelton in this because he's a Pennsylvania product down at IMG for his senior season. Uh, you've got now seven of the top 13 players in the state of Pennsylvania committed to your class. Um, Meanwhile, you look at who's number three on that list, Keenan Nelson, who very well may end up in this Penn State class by when it's all said and done. That could be soon, too. So, Sean, you look at the the the, lo- the brand logos next to those committed players on that Pennsylvania list. There were a lot of out-of-state programs represented in 2021, including a few in the Big Ten who did some damage. You see a lot of Nittany Lions logos down that list here this time around. Yeah, not only that, you also had uh, Tyrese Mills and J.B. Nelson, both Pennsylvania uh, natives that were yeah. our junior college now. So you've added to that. Uh, not going to get an eye white. Kenny Nelson's kind of, a, we've got the crystal ball favoring Penn State, but that kind of one has been bouncing around a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Abdul Carter, number 10 in the composite rankings, Penn State's still in it with him. So uh, very, very big Penn State presence in the uh, in, in the Pennsylvania State rankings, which obviously this time last year, we were kind of lamenting how Penn State had struggled in the, you know, in, in the Keystone State. So done a really nice job bouncing back. As we mentioned, Philadelphia, a big, uh, emphasis in this cycle and the cycles beyond. They've done a nice job. If you look at last year's uh, Rucci to Wisconsin, McCord to, to Ohio State, Trotter to Clemson, Davis to LSU, Harrison to Ohio State, Elliot Donald to Pitt, and number seven, the top guy, Lonnie White, who was the top guy in Penn State's class. Um, and we'll see. Yeah, and we'll see on that one. But yeah, that was uh, one one in the top 15, or excuse me, two in the top 15. Nate Bruce is already gone. So Oh boy, wow. that's uh, that's quite a bounce back, I gotta say. So I, I you know, you, you you see the or you say these things out loud, and it's it's one thing, but then you see all those logos in front of you, um, and they certainly turn it turn it on its head. And it's it's a really good group. I mean, this is not. I I think I saw something along the lines of uh, summer recruiting ranks. I think it came from Manny Diaz down in, uh, uh, at Miami, but uh, fake momentum or fool's gold things like that. Uh, Penn State's got a pretty good group right now, especially in state, and they've that they they deserve to be commended for that bounce back. You know, Anaya White aside, that that was going to be a very very tough pull, and we told you that from the outset of the uh, of the cycle. Um, but very very good job by Penn State bouncing back. We discussed the addition of Kiwan Wiley out of Philadelphia on Saturday when we, we came to you with a mid-weekend show. And if you missed that episode, I encourage you to check that one out for more on that, more on J.B. Nelson, who joined the class, the offensive lineman out of Lackawanna on Friday. We covered those two commitments. But getting back to, to what we saw transpire here on Tuesday and you know the sixth commitment in a six-day span, this was the, the big name out there. And I think you look at what Penn State dealt with in June uh, when it was off and racing. There was a sense that going out of the dead period, Sean uh, – 
that long dead period that Penn State was well positioned, but then you got to run the gauntlet of this guy going to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the home of the defending champions. He goes to Wisconsin, tremendous success at the running back position historically, goes down uh, to Texas A&M, takes a look there, uh, and of course, Notre Dame, and you see the crystal ball momentum begin to build for the Fighting Irish, and you see the message board begin to collapse in on itself, and then we get to Tuesday, 5 p.m., Nick Singleton says, yeah, I'm going to Penn State. All is well that ends well, but this one in particular, just a strong finish for James Franklin, J1 Sider, and the Penn State staff with the tip of the cap as well to the recruited uh, recruits in this class who've been committed and have been working very hard behind the scenes on making Singleton feel welcome for months now. I mean, this was uh, June in a nutshell, really, just all over the place, twists and turns, uh, felt really good. I actually had a document open on my uh, on my laptop after his official visit to Penn State with a Penn State crystal ball in because we were hearing such great things out of that. A week later, he goes to Notre Dame. And as you saw, Steve, Tom, Doan, those guys hearing a lot of chatter for Notre Dame. And I think it was warranted. I'll, I'll say that right now. I think there was a time when he was going to Notre Dame in the last couple of weeks, kind of flipped back over, took some time, as I said, getting him to AM, getting him to Alabama, getting him further away from that, that Notre Dame visit, I think was a big deal. And Penn State was able to turn the tide and, and finish the job, which if you look at what Penn State's done over the last couple of cycles, finishing on elite talent has been one of those criticisms that is certainly warranted. So really did a nice job spinning that one around. Uh, this one came down to, to Penn State and Notre Dame. Uh, I think for a long time, it was Penn State, Notre Dame. And, and as we said, he, he was a Penn State lean going into those visits, but nobody was really locked up coming into those uh, coming into June because they were going to see some things. They're going to see some special things. These official visits so um, <laughs> so key to the process in this cycle, if that makes sense. And it's not always the best representation of what you're going to see. So everybody's going to love every visit, et cetera. Um, but they, they did a, a, an impressive job closing this thing down. And let's be honest with you, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, we're talking about Omari and Hampton as potentially the guy as the, the lead running back in Penn State's class. And that flipped on its head with North Carolina. We expect him to go to North Carolina now. So Crazy, crazy things in June. Um, that's why you can't get too high, can't get too low. Um, Got to go with the twists and turns, have a strong stomach. And then it turns out with Singleton, it, it went in Penn State's uh, direction for, you know, I don't want to say, it, I don't want to say that it doesn't happen all that often, but, you know, you've kind of over the last year come to expect that Penn State coming up a little bit short for some of this elite talent. There were a lot of members on our board, Sean, who were already writing the obituary on the Nick Singleton recruitment last week. And I know that they're happy to tear that up. I would imagine most of them at least are very happy to tear that up and scatter to the wind and, and see him join this class. And you think about what this guy is as a player. I know when we talk about the momentum and the rankings and what this means nationally and Penn State's on a roll, but look at who they're getting here. A guy that three-time Berks County rushing champ went over 1,300 yards last year. I think they only played eight games because of the pandemic and shortened season. One a district champion there. Um, I think Nick Singleton showed a lot to plenty of people, including our 24-7 Sports Rankings Council during that junior season. It was big to, for him to get on the field. And there was a different level of physicality, Sean. This is a guy who looked a lot more complete. I think coming out of his sophomore year, you saw a tremendous athlete. You wondered if he was a guy who, who could be a 20-touch kind of back for you at this level of college football. I think a lot of that was cleared up. Um, there are very few 20-plus touchbacks in college football right now because of the way carries are distributed. We've seen that in the Nittany Lions backfield, but this guy's going to get to campus in 2022. I don't know what the rest of that room is going to look like. Some of the guys on campus now are going to be gone. Some of the guys on campus now are going to be better, 
but he's the kind of talent who comes. And if he's ready to work and do what Jaywan Slater needs him to do, we've seen in the past, you will see a true freshman get on the field in September if he's ready to roll at running back. Especially that position. I mean, he's, he's about six foot, 216. Um, you, you look at some of those times that he's put up in the past, uh, right around a four six laser, which is pretty good. He's got a 10, 10 900 on, uh, on record, 408 shuttle at the opening back in, in 2019. And that was that was a really, really good time. I mean, for, for a kid that size, um, it's, it, he, he came out. I remember going to the opening regional in uh, D.C. area. It was Northern Virginia. And he had actually come to the combine the day before. It was not on the radar whatsoever. And it just tested off the charts and ended up earning that invitation to the opening. Obviously did not see that we would not have that in 2020 where he could be back to it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty remarkable athletic numbers. I know he's uh, a garage strength athlete in Reading, which is uh, one of the great training places where, you know, they're, they're building up monsters in there. Um, you, you look at what he's been able to do on the, on the SWAT rack and the, his strength numbers you, you get, I, I never, ever want to compare anyone to Saquon, but you look at some of the physical stuff that he's been able to do and he's got that kind of drive. He's got that kind those kind of genes, very strong guy, very, um, you know, a peak level athlete. And I think, uh, you put on the tape and he's still got room for improvement. We've got him at 43 nationally in the 24 seven sports rankings. The com the composite has him at 98. I'd probably go somewhere in between there. I think he's probably a little bit high as the number 43 prospect in the country. Um, cause there's, Still a lot to learn about him as a running back, but explosive, uh, got a ton of juice, change of directions, really good, very sudden out there. Um, still learning to be a running back, but yeah, it's it's a really, really key pickup for Penn State. Um, and then you add the in-state uh, aspect to it, and it's certainly a huge win for James Franklin. Sean, you are not the first person on this podcast to bring up Saquon Barkley. When discussing Nick Singleton, Bo Perbula did it during his guest spot uh, back in March, I think that was. So uh, that that's he said. He said, I, you know, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll we'll see. And Saquon, it's scary to to just like it's going to be scary to attach that Micah Parsons name to anybody who comes in uh, at linebacker for Penn State here in the coming years, and it's hard to do it for running back, but. Hey, uh, it's good company. And that's the company. I mean, you look around what they've done in state at running back, Sean, that was part of the selling point here is not just Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, what he did his you know, first couple of years in Philadelphia after being an all big 10 player at Penn state at when his turn showed up journey Brown, what he did, certainly not the high caliber of uh, uh, prospect that a uh, Miles Sanders was, or, or even what uh, Saquon Barkley was coming out of high school, but got his shot at Penn state and look what he was. He was on his way to doing before he was sidelined by a medical condition. So, so now you're looking in-state again, next man up, Nick Singleton. Let's see what you can do. And, and I think when you can kind of serve those three guys up and, and Nick Singleton will remember them play, it's not like you're going back to the 90s or to the to 15 years ago to say, look what we had at running back. These are all guys who just did it in Happy Valley and Beaver Stadium. And, and I can understand that when you combine with J1 Sider being the guy to lay out that case, it would be hard to say no. Yeah, and and I think you know not many programs have been able to fly the flag as high at running back as as Penn State. Obviously, those guys that you just mentioned, but uh, they've done just they've just been so solid at putting out backs uh, year after year. Even last year, you know, you you lost your top two backs, and obviously it had a huge uh, impact on the way the the season went. But Kevon Lee was able to step up. You're able to say, okay, we threw we threw a true freshman in there. Um, that hadn't played in a year and a half. He come off. He's coming off and ripping off a hundred yard game against Michigan. So that things like that help. I think the funny thing with with Singleton here is you mentioned cider. 
this isn't a situation where Jaywan Sider had a longstanding relationship with the kid and, and was one of his guys. Like a lot of you look at a lot of the guys that he brings in from Florida and they're his dudes because of these relationships that he had. Singleton kind of didn't fall into that. And, and I'm not saying that it's the right way, the wrong way or anything like that. But this wasn't a guy that was coming to Penn State just because of what he had heard from Jaywan Sider. Did his research. Uh, obviously, they pushed hard in terms of selling the in-state thing, that, those backs that you mentioned. Um, so I think I think it's really interesting how this was more of a complete um, a, a complete staff effort, a complete recruiting job than just Jaywan, him wanting to play for Jaywan Sider. Now, the job is not complete at running back. We've discussed this in the past on the show. Expect two players, a multiple running back class. We'll have more on that. Instead of addressing it right here, it, it will be addressed with our five-star mailbag because we got a great question on that subject. So we'll, we'll get to that one in a moment. That's right. But, I mean, why wouldn't you stick around? Sunday, Sean, three commitments was something that we haven't even addressed yet. We've talked for 15 minutes on this episode of the podcast. That's how things are for Penn State recruiting. And finally, the floodgates open for the defensive recruiting. Yeah, defense, big day for John Scott Jr., Dion Barnes, Alan Samitis, as I tweeted about the other day. Defensive recruiting really opened up on Sunday, starting with Zane Durant, 6'1", 260 defensive tackle, very active defensive tackle out of the Orlando area. Uh, this is one that they kind of straight up stole from Miami. I mean, this was uh, one that we thought that the Hurricanes were the team to beat. Uh, had a great official visit to uh, to Penn State, but at the same time went back home checked out Miami and really liked what he saw there, but Penn state really had the draw there to, to bring him in. Um, another good recruiting job is a guy that really flew up the board in the late spring before his visit. They got him on campus. They liked his personality. They liked what he brought to the table, not the tallest guy in the world, but very active, very, um, you know, just a, a guy that can really do some different things for you. I've compared him to Kevin Givens. I'm not sure that Givens is, is, you know, <laughs> I, I, you look at what we do in terms of comparing guys and comparing, say, Singleton to Barkley and things like that. And you obviously want them to compare to the top level guys. But Kevin Gibbons was a pretty special player when he was here. And you don't want to sort of put that mark on him just the same as Singleton with Barkley, because it's really not fair to either of those guys. So but he's that type of player. He's the guy that can blow things up. He's got uh, some really good twitch in him, can get into the backfield, can penetrate, can, can rush the passer. So I think that he's a guy that fits that mold, and it's something that they've been missing a little bit. You looked at what they ran out there last year, mostly with Sam, uh, excuse me, PJ Mustafer and Antonio Shelton. And you didn't have that, that twitchy guy in the middle that can, can, can do some damage. So I, I think this is kind of a different style player, but they're, they're really excited to see what he can do. He's probably in more in that mold uh, of what you can expect from Akeem Beeman this year. So I'm excited to see what, which direction Durant's uh, uh, career takes, but very active player is a guy that our, our guy, Andrew Ivans down in Florida really likes a lot. Uh, great testing numbers, as I said, not the best size in the world, but he's got enough length to make up for just being six one or just being right around six one. So um, I like Durant as a very active defensive tackle. Can we address something with Durant, though, Sean? Of course we can. Let's do it. Florida recruitment. This is a Florida recruitment. This is July uh, signing days in December, and the quote that he gave Ivans as part of this Penn State commitment is, and this is quoting now. I mean, my recruitment still isn't done, but this is where I think I'm going to call home. He's excited, to be, he's excited to be a Penn State commitment, but I think folks who have followed Penn State's long-distance recruiting efforts for a while now and, and they get engaged in Florida, 
You got to get to December. You got to get the pen to paper. Love the pickup right now, though, in July and, and really a surprise ultimately because just a few days prior to the scheduled announcement, sure seemed like he was going to stay uh, in Florida, end up with the Miami Hurricanes and, and even throughout June, continuously checking in on UCF where he's got a lot of close friends. Thought maybe it would be a, a nice local win for Gus Malzahn uh, at Central Florida. Uh, Penn State comes away with a win here and it was one of two on the defensive front for them. Uh, really one of three, but let's 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 go to the other big man who joined this class and, and it's one that we have been talking about for some time and that's Caleb Artis, uh, considered the top lineman out of the state of New York. He's from Long Island and uh, Sean, someone who got to, got to check out Penn State, got to Auburn uh, and, and ultimately felt comfortable enough to, to make this decision and this was probably the most predictable uh, out of the three that came on Sunday. And this is a guy that Penn State's had really high on his board for, for a long time. Uh, we have him as a high three-star prospect on 24-7 sports. I think he's just shy of that uh, of that four-star uh, spot on the uh, on the composite rankings. Uh, but Penn State, I, I would feel comfortable saying Penn State had him as, as their top defensive tackle target. That's kind of what we've identified a couple of months ago. And move from there, uh, nice little offer list. Uh, Auburn got an official visit there. Virginia, a couple of other schools. Florida State was involved, and Florida State's doing really well. Uh, with recruiting right now, uh, you love the frame. That's the thing that jumps out to you. Legit 6'4", 290, a guy that's got some t- terrific length. If you look at, you know, if you if you saw him out, you know, walking around campus or at a camp or something like that, you would probably think offensive tackle. Um, but he carries his 290 very, very well, moves well. Um, this is a, a guy that they've sort of identified I don't want to call him a project. Well, I mean, he's a defensive tackle. He's definitely a project as, as, as they all are. Um, but this is a guy that in a couple of years, you're hoping can be in that mustard for mold can be in that bigger defensive tackle mold that Penn state's had a lot of success with um, over the last uh, decade and a half, two decades. So um, I think that there's, there's still room to grow here, um, but at the same time, a very active big man. And, and there's not a ton of those guys floating around. So um, an- another good pickup there, uh, you know, he and Durant were, Two of the top three targets, Alex Van Sumeren, you could throw in there as well, defensive tackle. So a big step forward for John Scott. We, you know, we've, we've criticized, we've talked about John Scott a lot on this podcast for the lack of results, but he had himself a day on Sunday. To this point, in terms of things that you know you can point to tangibly with John Scott, a lot of it is the transfer additions, uh, one from Temple, one from Duke. You, you got Davon Townley on late in the cycle, but we don't really expect to see him uh, here in 2021. So to see John Scott, you know, this is this is a big day for him. Sunday was a big day for him, I think, in the way he's viewed and perceived by the fan base, whatever that matters. Um, you know, they, there's something to be said about John Scott taking a step forward on Sunday with these two guys, one from way out of state, one from the from one locally, regionally that you felt good about and you wondered if Penn State would, would be able to close there with artists because it felt like there was a lot of reciprocated interest and would the wheels fall off with something like that in June? We, we've seen that happen in a couple other cases, um, but they get there with artists bit more of a surprise with Durant and then I mean a, a guy that I didn't really know what to expect here from uh, was Tyrese Fearby Fearby uh, someone that, that we spoke about coming out of their pit visit early in June is really liking uh, what they were presenting to him he's a he's a Pittsburgh kid uh, got down to SEC territory for for a, a visit to finish things off and before that even though Sean came out of his Penn State visit says they're the favorite but it was very hard to trust now he's committed to Penn State, and you talked about the frame um, it, w- with artists. This is a heck of a frame, six foot five, I think two hundred and twenty pounds. Not sure where he's going to play, um, but there are a lot of options with a young man like this. And and as he continues to fill out, and what Dwight Galt does once these guys get to campus. 
Yeah, this was one that really, you know, we weren't expecting much coming into the recruitment. Thought it was one of those guys that landed at Pitt. And I think I said that many times on the uh, on the podcast. Um, but this is one that he was really interested in getting out and seeing other things. He came for an unofficial visit for a scrimmage back in April and was really, really blown away by what he saw. Then he actually got on campus in June for an official visit left with Penn State, his leader, kind of made you scratch your head a little bit, thinking, what's going on here? Because the pit draw was so strong, um, but ended up committing to Penn State. And this is one that we said, okay, it might be a little bit flaky, might be a little all over the place, but Penn State was able to seal the deal. Um, you know, for a guy that's 6'4", plus uh, 219 pounds, he's got really, really great length, um, very skinny. Yeah, this is a kid that I look at and I see kind of that Adisa Isaac, and you, you don't really think of that right now because Adisa's so much bigger. But in terms of uh, Adisa yeah, Isaac at that same spot, right, like yeah. going into his senior year, I thought that's two hundred ten pounds. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, exactly. Fury. If you look at him, you wouldn't think it, but Fury is actually bigger than Adisa was at this point. So you've got room to put on weight, uh, good weight, um, a lot of untapped potential there. Um, but uh, this guy that, that that is a good bender he's got good get off uh you know he's kind of all over the place um you you put the tape on and he's playing in the city league so you're not sure how much you can take from it but bends well he's got the athleticism he's got a lot to like there um but i think yeah his 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 best football is definitely ahead of him um this is a guy that's probably you know a a guy you get in the program you put on 30 40 pounds on him and all of a sudden he pops up as a redshirt freshman or a sophomore or something like that and he's a he's a different looking kid so um as Badly as they've needed edge prospects over the last couple of cycles, Fearbury fits the bill. We got him as a four-star prospect on 24-7 sports and with the composite. So a lot of people like this kid. Um, uh, that's he's, he's more of a mystery at this point because of where he does play. And and to be honest with you, I don't know that a ton of people paid attention to him because they thought that he was going to pit. Um, but since he got out there, Auburn was in it. Kentucky was in it. Um, and now it's uh, now it's Penn State. So this is a guy that uh, is certainly going to have to keep on through the, the remainder of the process, given how he's been kind of, uh, I don't want to say all over the place, but, um, you know, he's been a pit lean, been a Penn State lean, backed off those comments, et cetera. Um, but you know, this is a really, really good prospect from Western Pennsylvania. It goes back to what you said during the Singleton uh, segment that we did. Penn State locking down different spots of Pennsylvania. Mentioned the the emphasis on Philly. Just got Singleton from Reading. The the mid state there. You've got uh, Prabula, Ivy, Makai Flowers. Now you move to Western Pennsylvania. Um, get JB Nelson. You get Tyrese Fearbury. Doing a pretty good job in state. Strong, strong effort there. And this is the number eight prospect in the state of Pennsylvania in those composite rankings. So you look at what what we kind of come out of uh, looking at Penn State's class. On you know when we wake up Wednesday morning, uh, here going to bed Tuesday night, eighteen commitments, Sean versus twelve on Friday morning. Four of them addressing the defensive side of the football. You have Fairbury, you have Durant, you have artists on the defensive line. We all project them to, to be on the defensive front. And and Keon Wiley, uh, linebacker. I mean, we talk about Tally Wiley, Fairbury, and there's been a lot of talk. Where does this guy fit on the field? Uh, do you feel like it's Wiley still standing up? Tally Fairbury moving toward that defensive end role. Is it fair to say that Fairbury is not really involved at linebacker or should we anticipate that door might still be open? That's fair to say, but it's a good point that you make because on his tape, he does play some linebacker. He plays, you know, with his hand out of the dirt, which I think is really good for a, a defensive end to, to have that experience, to, to know how to move laterally and, and, and sort of get, be aware of yourself in space. 
Um, but I think he's a defensive end all the way. As, as I said, with Isaac, it was, you snapped your fingers and he was 250 pounds. Mm. I think Fearbury can be, can be along those lines. Tally is 244 pounds right now on a six, two and a half frame. So honestly, he's, we, we talked about him as a linebacker for the longest time right now. I think he's closer to defensive tackle than he is to linebacker, which is crazy. I'm not saying he's going to be a defensive tackle, mm-hmm. but in terms of body type, he's a bigger, thicker kid than, than I think we expected. And we kind of flip-flopped he and Keon Wiley, who we thought was a defensive end to start. Now we have him as a linebacker. Um, so I'm Slayton, Slayton Wiley at the will, Slayton uh, Talley at end, and Slating Tyrese Fearbury at end. And then we'll see what, where it goes from there. Um, Caleb Artis, obviously, defensive tackle. Zane Durant, probably in that mold, who's a defensive tackle, but also could play some five techniques, similar to what Gibbons did, similar to what we expect from Hakeem Beam and Amin Vanover, especially in those, those run-heavy games. So spreading that out a little bit. You've got different options at different positions. Obviously you'd love, you'd love to add deny Dennis Sutton at end. And there's still a bunch of guys that are out there on the defensive side of the ball. Linebacker still needs address. Cornerback still needs to address. Safety seems to be coming along pretty well. And one more point here, you did say a little bit ago that I did expect them at 20 commits by the end of July prior to the season. I believe you had a different opinion. Is that right? I said 18, which is where they're at now. So if they hold firm, then I'm right. They're not going to. This class is going to grow. Uh, you're going to be uh, right. Maybe you're going to be low too, though. I mean, we'll see how this shapes up between now. Possible, and, yeah. I mean, this was actually, I think, before the season. And, and I and I did say I thought – I didn't think June was going to be a lot of guys rushing to commit. I thought maybe we come out of July and some of the guys who, who said, okay, I'm ready to commit. I'm going to schedule my announcement July 4th weekend. And, and thus, all of a sudden, we have this spree. I thought there might be a fewer number of recruits nationally, Sean, including the ones we're covering, that would press pause, take it into the season. Nope. A lot of these guys came out of June ready to do that. Whether they're ready to stick to these decisions or whether they're just sticking to a timeline, I think that's a, that's a conversation for down the road. When it comes to the Penn State conversation, though, we know how important it is for James Franklin for uh, that relationship. When you take that step it is not a play. He doesn't want to be a placeholder commitment. And those conversations are something he tries to make very transparent to these prospects. But I think across college football right now, you're looking at some of these post official visit window commitments where everyone's really excited. There's a lot of buzz guys want to stick to their initial thought process and commit before their senior seasons. I still think there's going to be some really shaky ground for some of these commitments, not just talking about Penn state and maybe not Penn state at all, but I think just beware across college football flip season, didn't come last cycle. I think we could see something like that take shape later on this cycle. They're, they're going to learn that those official visits are not what they're signing up for for the next three, four, five years. So that's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see how the parents handle it, especially I was talking to Tom Loy yesterday about, uh, you know, how some of this June went. And, you know, we just kept going back. These parents are in for something, man, especially hmm. for some of these guys that, that that commit and then fall off the radar, don't get the same level of love. And, it, and, you know, a lot of things can go a lot of different ways. So I don't expect a ton of movement with Penn State's class, but you'd be naive to, to, to write it off entirely. So let's let's get back to, to what Penn State has and, and defense gets a big boost here. Tyrese Mills is a, is a defensive back. Uh, we're going to see where Makai Flowers lands. You just referenced there's still stuff to fill out in the defensive backfield. Maybe some upcoming decisions impact that. Offensively, you've got a heck of a group coming together. The missing component we've been talking about for a while, Sean, was that running back spot. Now you plug in an elite level talent in Nick Singleton. As we'll talk about in just a moment, you're still looking for a second running back. Additionally, the wide receiver group, is it four guys? Is it five guys? It's a heck of a group right now. Uh, Tight end Jerry Cross is considered a top 10 prospect, and you've got two quarterbacks. So with that said, offensively, 
where is the focus right now? And, and where do you think moving forward, uh, Penn State has the most growth opportunity? Because it feels like that's approaching done deal status in a lot of spots. Yeah, uh, I obviously add another running back because we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Uh, offensive line numbers still could use some 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 a couple of guys in there. It's tough to say because that might be a spot I talked on in the last episode or two episodes ago about going five, maybe six. That might, that might be a casualty of taking more guys at a spot like receiver where you're trying to get faster. You're trying to add athleticism. Um, and you've got still a couple of guys out there. Darius Clemens is certainly out there. Uh, Omari Evans, who they really liked Andre Green's coming up for a visit in, uh, in, in July. So still some, some numbers out there. And of course, Christian driver, we still have him slotted as a receiver, even though we both think that safety is probably in his long-term future, wherever he ends up. So I think that that's really where you go with that. Uh, add another running back, add at least one or two more offensive linemen, and then figure out where you can just add speed to this roster to receiver. We mentioned earlier, kind of catching our breath a little bit. How about these coaches uh, who have been trying to get these commitments on board, having the camps, having the official visits? A lot of guys enjoying some family time right now. We will not see another prospect event on campus based on the schedule that we saw heading into the summer until July 25th, which is going to be that underclass showcase number two. And then July 30th is shown that Friday, Beast of the East showcase. Um, between now and then, there there is very necessary self-care happening for some coaches right now and, and, and staff members. But when they resurface, what do you think? Because it, it, it's a very small window when, when you kind of get back to the office after the summer vacation. And then when you get to the field for preseason camp, what is the top of the to-do list for you in, the, in those few weeks that Penn State will be really charged up on the recruiting trail again? I just figure if you've got, you know, well, first off, reset your recruiting board, figure out where you mm -hmm. stand coming out of that dead period. As you mentioned, get some priorities in place. Of course, uh, you know, you, you've done some work over on the defensive line over the last couple of days. Um, you know, you probably still taking Alex Van Sumer at defensive tackle, but for all intents and purposes with Artis um, and Durant, you're pretty much done at defensive tackle. Deny Dennis Sutton will be committed by the time that he'll, he'll decided by the time um, you get back to it and that dead period ends. So defensive end could be a little bit up in the air. Got to figure out linebacker, got to figure out where you stand with some of those guys and, and sort of that trickle down effect from corner to safety to linebacker, figure out what's going on in that back seven, because you've got some work to do. That cornerback board doesn't look like what it did hmm. a month ago. And it's, it's funny because we talk about Singleton sort of going back and forth or not going back and forth, but flipping on its head. It's kind of the same thing that happened with Jade Bellamy last month with Penn state and Notre Dame. He ended up committing uh, to the Irish last week. So it's it's been all over the place, you know. Cam Miller's still out there at, at, at corner. A couple of other guys. Uh, Oliver Bridges is all of a sudden on the radar. He came up, had a good workout at the end of June. So um, maybe try and figure out because you can do those workouts in June. You can't have official visits. Or excuse me, you can do those workouts in July. You can't have official visits in July. So. Do you bring some of these guys back up for more workouts, get a closer look and figure out if who's going to sort of get pushed over the edge there? Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see which direction they go. Of course, at linebacker, you, you know, uh, Jay Sean Barham was up for a visit last month. Uh, Abdul Carter was up twice and camped and looked really good. Moses Walker, all of a sudden, a really big target for Penn State. So uh, you've got a little bit more clarity there, but not a ton. The other thing I'm going to say is, Time to start putting some attention on the 2023 class, right? We've seen a bunch of new offers go out. You're going to get more looks at those guys. Last July, and under different circumstances across the country and across college football, but last July, you got 
two commitments. You added Broper Beulah. You had Jerry Cross, Caden Saunders on board. You started to really see that class build out early. Um, you'd love to get some, identify some class leaders who are ready to jump in that uh, you know, kind of early commitment, shut things down and start helping the staff recruit. We'll see who emerges. I know the focus has been on 2022 and for good reason, because we've been waiting for these guys to get their shot in the spotlight and waiting for these decisions to come through like we've seen. But it certainly seems like this is the period of the cycle where you're going to start to see the 2023 start to push itself and emerge to the surface. And, and I think that's going to start to happen for Penn state. And this is about the time of the year where, where someone pops up with an early commitment. Yeah. And that's usually just sort of nature there. Cause you've got, <clears throat> excuse me, you've got their junior seasons coming up. Some guys that maybe have been on the radar for a little bit longer have uh, you know, done more of the process than, than a lot of their peers could pop up. And, and you've got the lash bash at the end of July, which probably, you know, it'd be a big event for, um, you know, 2022 prospects, but also underclassmen getting those guys in here, doing the camp, going to the the event and things like that. So I, I think you can certainly, I don't know that we're ready to forecast movement or anything like that, but it's, it, it's just human nature. It's going to happen at some point. Uh, moving on here, uh, Drew Aller joined us on the last episode of the podcast, actually two episodes ago now, but if you caught the episode that dropped on Thursday, I hope you did. It was Drew Aller talking about his upcoming trip to the Elite 11 Finals. Him and 19 other quarterbacks were invited out to that annual showcase in the Los Angeles area. If you followed online, 247.com, there were daily updates. Our, our team did a tremendous job covering that event, giving you the details. Really hot start for, for Drew Aller from what we understand, uh, from, from everything I read and, and what I saw. Um, tapered off a bit, um, maybe had some conditioning issues or just was kind of hit by something. Quite frankly, we heard he threw up. I'm he just going to throw that out there. Drill, yes. Yeah, I hate, yes. to, I hate to throw our guy under the bus like that because he was a great interview. We just had him on, but that's something that, that was already written up, so I don't feel as bad. But uh, we, we do hope to have a little bit more Elite 11 analysis. We, we have some connections on that staff. We were able to get you some good stuff on Christian Veyer coming out of last year's final. And if that can happen for us in July, I would love to because um, I think the one thing that stands out – he and, you know, he ends up you know, win the Elite 11, uh, not really in the top five group for, I think, 24-7 sports. I think they had him at number eight out of the finalists, out of the 11 finalists. But the one thing you kept hearing was his arm talent is really up there with any of the guys who were competing. Maybe he didn't put together that complete performance. But just as we said, when you have that kind of arm talent in a setting that the Elite 11 likes to throw at you, you're going to have a chance to shine. He did that. And I think Steve Wolfong said something interesting. And I think I did mention this maybe last episode, but Quinn Ewers, Drew Aller, maybe not the first time they're sharing the field, throwing darts. Maybe they're the future in Big Ten competition. Two phenomenally talented kids right there, just big arms all around. And, and and we talked a little bit last week about what Aller needs to do to become a more complete prospect in terms of completion percentage efficiency and things like that. I'm not really worried a ton about conditioning. I don't think he's going to be asked too many times to go out there four days in a row and sling it, you know, and, and be on the entire team time. I don't think the college football schedule sets up like that. I'll have to double check. Um, but no, he's, he's got a ton of talent. He showed it out there. A lot of guys that we have, they're very high on what he brings to the table. Um, and yeah, there's, there's still improvements to be done. Uh, but at the same time, he went out there and stood toe to toe. And, and I'll go back to something I said last episode, but also with a, uh, a correction here. I said the two guys that Mike Yersich went after were Nick Everts out of, out of uh, Texas, who's committed to Florida and drew, drew Aller. Um, so it, 
you add to that that the third guy that he went after that completely Klubnik. Cade Klubnik was the yeah. guy that he went after as well, who was the MVP of the Elite Eleven. So mm-hmm. that's a pretty good sign if you're a Penn State fan in terms of uh, evaluations and things like that. So um, I'm excited to see what that combination can do. I'm excited to see what Drew can do uh, in his senior season because I think that again, there's there's room for improvement. There's accuracy things that need cleaned up, but I think he's got all the physical potential in the world and, and, and really can be the, the top guy that Franklin's been able to bring in so far. And as you heard from him on that episode of the podcast, very excited to get back on the field with his group for his senior season, really strong year as a junior when he blew up and eventually led to his breakout in the form of scholarship offers. And then he's back here uh, in January for, for, uh, for life as a college student athlete. Remember both Perbula and Aller going to be early enrollees. So this quarterback room, this season ends, it changes up in a major way. And Drew Aller looks like the kind of talent who could turn heads really quickly when he gets to a college campus and start spinning the ball. A lot of pieces got to go in place uh, for a college quarterback to gain the confidence of a coaching staff, but uh, really hard to look away when when he's throwing the ball well. Uh, Five-star mailbag time, Sean. And this one is just so perfect for this episode. And uh, the reason why we kind of pushed off the rest of the running back conversation until now. Here it is. You've both been quick to mention your expectations for a two-running-back class next signing day. Would picking up a high-profile guy like Nick Singleton make it difficult to convince a second player to commit in the same class? And, of course, Singleton has now committed. Yeah, that's uh, that's not really a difficulty for for these big-time schools with big-time running-back recruiting. Um, a lot of times you'll see these these schools take two, recruit, or two running backs in each class, and that's kind of sort of become the expectation. Um, not everybody does it, but you know, Bama's got two recruit or two running backs in this class. Had he gone to Notre Dame, Nick Singleton would have been part of a two running back class. Uh, Oklahoma's got a great two running back class. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, you, you've got a certain number of elite uh, producers of running backs that are, you know, sort of stocking these guys. Georgia obviously is, is right at the top as well. So, um, so no, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's the, a, a turnoff at all. I think a lot of these guys sort of expect it. You've got to have a mindset where you're going to be the best guy, regardless if you're coming in as the top guy or the, the number two guy. I mean, you look at the rankings right now in the, in the composite rankings, Gavin Salchuk out of Colorado is committed to Oklahoma. Rayleigh Brown out of uh, California is also committed to Oklahoma. That's the number two and the number four running backs nationally by 24 seven sports. Number one, of course, Emmanuel Henderson committed to Alabama. Number five, Le'Veon Moss committed to Alabama. Um, it, that's, some crazy numbers there when you think about, <laughs> I mean, you just keep going down the list. Branson Robinson, who's the number three guy is a strong Georgia lean. He's probably going to commit uh, later this month. I think number 16, Jordan James is committed to Georgia. So uh, yeah, there's a lot going on and, and Katron Allen's the number 10 and, and Nicholas Singleton's the number six. And that's a, that's a pretty good combination up there with, with all those other guys as well. So um, it's, it's not really, that when you're recruiting at this level and you're producing at this level at running back, it's not really um, a deterrent for some of these guys. Um, you know, it, it might be a situation where say, say North Carolina wants to take one running back and they're going to you know settle on Amari and Hampton, who's a damn good running back himself. Um, so that, that could be a selling point. That's something you could play up. Um, but at the same time, they also may go and add a guy like George Petaway as well. So um, I, th- I think that it's not as hard to convince, you know, it, it would be a quarterback. It would be maybe at some other spots. It's not as hard to convince running backs, especially when you take a look at how they've churned running backs in the last 10 years. 
trying to keep guys light or keep the workloads light, trying to keep uh, the tread off the tires as, uh, or the tread on the tires as well. Sorry. Um, and it's, it's just a really interesting position dynamic over the last uh, 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And that goes all the way to the NFL. There's a lot of really good running backs right now who share that backfield uh, in the NFL. So at the highest level of this game, Sean, I, I also, J1 Slater, it's happened here. His first two running back classes were two running back classes. It was Noah Kane and Devin Ford and then Kevon Lee and Kaziah Holmes. And last year they said, okay, no high school running backs. We'll go bring in John Lovett for a one and done season out of Baylor as a transfer. And Nick Singleton going to be joined by somebody in this class. It could be Katron Allen. Uh, there's been a lot of names that have surfaced, a bunch of guys visited i would say the one thing here if, if a running back did seriously express major concerns about joining a two running back class i think jay one slider would maybe slide him down that board i don't think jay one slider would be nearly as interested in that young man if he was shying away from joining a two running back class because that's what college football is he'll tell you that miles sanders came and, and and took on saquon barkley and worked his way up to an opportunity he'll tell you journey brown behind him did the same thing you get your chance, you shine. Um, I think two running back class is is kind of a safe thing to do in college football. And, and look at what we saw happen at Penn State. We thought they might have had the most loaded running back room in the Big Ten, if not across college football last year. And by the time we got to like Halloween, it was like mash unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought that up because that was definitely the, where I was going to go with that. You You have no idea how quickly you can make it onto the field as a running back. And, and on the flip side, I don't know that running backs are as replaceable as they are in the NFL, but they're still pretty replaceable in college football. You can throw a, a lot of guys back there, especially if you're recruiting at the level that Penn State, Alabama, Georgia, you know, Texas has gotten up there as well. USC is going to be up there. Um, it, it's it's pretty crazy when you think about uh, the 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 concentration of talent at that position going to six to 10 schools, something like that. So, but uh, yeah, it's worked out well for Penn state. They've done a nice job. They got a big one today in Nick Singleton. I still think probably Catron Allen's the guy that you're looking to in, in, in mid July uh, as a potential guy to, to add to that mix. And man, you just looked at the board and and how many guys, what, seven running backs officially visited in, uh, in in June. I think we said seven of the top 30. Was it something like that? Yeah, it was, it was (laughs) not, uh, yeah, it was not light on talent there. And guys like, I mean, George Petaway is a hell of a back. I mean, he's Mm going to end up somewhere and he's going to probably have a really good career. Ramon Brown, I think is committing on Friday. I'd probably say Virginia tech. Um, But yeah, they're just all, there's talent all over the place, but Penn state's put itself in a position where you feel good about landing, a couple of really, really good players, even if you don't know which ones are going to, are going to end up signing for you, uh, you know, early in the cycle. So I think it's, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's not a deterrent for some schools. I could see it being a deterrent for some lower level programs. If you're, you know, trying to, trying to be that guy that steps on the field as a freshman or something like that. But for, for schools like Penn state, they're, they're in a pretty good uh, assembly line right now. Uh, and by the way, speaking of Katarn Allen, down at IMG Academy, you're not the bell cow ever at running back. Even Noah Kane wasn't the guy. He had to share reps with Trey Saunders, who ended up signing with Alabama. At IMG, if you're a running back, it's a good place to learn how to share the duties at running back. And I think if Katron Allen is the guy, he's going to be equipped with the right mentality like Noah Kane was coming to campus, knowing what that is like and the patience required. Uh, fittingly, we end with a question about running back. You can toss your question into the podcast or into the mailbag at Apple Podcasts anytime you'd like. Um, please leave a five-star rating and review and whatever question recruiting football related. We are coming up toward preseason camp. I'm going out to Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days. But for now, Sean, it's been a lot of recruiting in a short span. Well, there was a lot of recruiting over a long span but a lot of results in a short span here. Six commitments in six days. 
I think we're going to catch our breath, but if something strikes, we'll be back with another podcast, maybe when you least expect it. But for now, I think we're going to try to get back on a somewhat normal schedule. Who knows, though, with, with college football right now? Yeah, I think we can. I don't, I don't want to say safely say that you can take a breath <laughs> because that, obviously we've, we've seen how that works out for us in the past. Uh, but no, I think it's uh, I think it's a good run, really good run for Penn State uh, opening up July. I'm, I'm really glad they held off for, for all that talk that we did about uh, don't expect the commits in Ju- June, expect them in July. I'm really glad really came through that the Penn State <laughs> staff could hold off and, and, and do some things for us. So, uh, yeah, that's going to that, that, that's got to be it. All right. Well, thank you for following us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Been a ton of action to cover here. Again, if you missed it, we broke down the earlier commitments uh, from J.B. Nelson, from Keon Wiley back on Saturday. For Sean, I'm Tyler. Catch our content at Lions247.com. We'll talk to you soon.